Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, an 11-year-old girl and and her 8-year-old brother bickered over and fought over the slightest thing. Their father was surprised when the girl made an artistic card for her brother's birthday. Inside, she wrote, Happy birthday to my nine-year-old brother. I'm so glad to have a brother to love. So God gave me you. P.S. Don't read this out loud or I'll twist your head off. (laughs) I wonder, church, if we've ever felt that way toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, we're the family of God, and, and even though we are family, I always got that man, we are family, I know at times we get on each other's nerves. We do. I heard it put this way in a rhyme, to live above with saints we love, oh, that'll be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> Guys, life... Life in the natural, if you will. Life in the natural family, it's difficult enough. It's difficult enough. So it shouldn't surprise us that living relationally in the family of God on earth is somewhat, likewise, a difficult venture. Now listen, we're family. We need to grasp that. We're family And through all the irritations and all the misunderstandings, we should care deeply for one another. And we should show that to a watching world. Listen to what, um, well, let me just illustrate it this way. A Greek writer named Lucian, who lived from about 120 AD to 200, said of the early Christians, quote, it is incredible to see the fever of with which the people of that religion help each other in their wants. They spare nothing. Their first legislator, Jesus, has put it into their hands, and they are all brethren, end quote. That's exactly what we need to do. That's exactly why I am so proud to be pastoring this church. Because I see that already taking place. I see that as people begin to help and to serve and, and, and to help others with what they want. You see, it's really, really simple. In smaller churches, we would say, hey, listen, the pastor needs to do all the work of the ministry. That's why we pay him. He needs to do this and he needs to go there and he needs to... Ah! But that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we, that here we get, you guys get equipped to do the work of the ministry so that you can go out and do ministry. That's what he's, that's, that's what we're talking about. I love to see it when it happens. Now, remember what we talked about last week. Well, actually, the whole book of Philippians. Remember. Ephesians is broke down into, well, let's call it three sections. You go, three sections? Yeah. You had the wealth of the believer. 
you had the walk of the believer, and then he goes into a small section. I'm not sure what Paul was thinking about, but he says there's going to be a warfare. There's going to be a war. And he says this is the warfare of the believer. Another way to look at it is like this. We can sit, we can walk, and then we are to stand. Those are the first three chapters. So the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians has been phenomenal. It gives us our position in Christ, being seated in Christ. I love that. Now what you need to understand is Paul is writing to people who are already saved. He already knows they've gone the Roman road. They already knows that they're fully devoted followers of God. And so he says, if you are, he's not even questioning if you've done that. He goes, this is your position. This is how God sees you. And so we get such an incredible wealth in the first three chapters of the book. Last week, if you recall, we talked for a few minutes about the blessings, the wealth that all of us have as believers in Christ. Now, what you need to know, and I really want to push this point, is I believe it's important for us to know and understand what a true believer looks like. Remember, the word that John employs in the book of John for believer looks like this. If he's calling you a believer, here's what he's saying. He's saying a believer in the Greek is actually made up of three words. Okay, And what you need to understand is not just simply you believe, because the Bible says that the demons believe in God and tremble. So you can't just put yourself, well, I believe. You say, I woke up this morning and I saw a few clouds. I said, well, there's got to be a God. I believe in it. That's different. Paul and John goes way deep because he wants to make sure that we are true believers. And so he employs three of the Greek words that I'm going to give you right now. They're not important for you to really write down unless you're, you're, you're a Bible scholar, but the importance is, is what they mean. You see, the first Greek word is pisteo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O, pisteo, and you go, well, Ben, what does it mean? Well, it means to have faith in, to have faith in, in respect to a person, to entrust. That's what it means, pisteo. you got to have faith in a person, in a person, okay. But he says, but it's also made up of another word. It's the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And that's a little bit different. It means persuaded to have rely reliance upon Christ for salvation. So you have faith in Christ. You entrust him. You're persuaded to go, this is how I'm saved. And the last Greek word is pitheo. It's to be convinced with confidence. In other words, nobody's going to talk you out of it. You see, there's a lot of people who can talk you into salvation. Hey, you need to do this. And they twist your arm. You go, okay, okay, I'll, I'll just do it. I'll never forget that some of the stories that I've heard as a pastor, how people would, would push and prod and twist people to get saved. And they'd simply say a prayer so that the other person gets off their back. They talked them into it. Or, 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 listen, listen, we're going through a really tough time in our lives. There's a lot of emotional things in our lives. And so they go, well, you know what? I'm really at my wit's end. I should give my life to Jesus. And you pray a prayer. That's not the word. He's saying, you need to be convinced with confidence. In other words, someone goes to you, Arjun, and says, hey man, are you saved? And you go, amen. Not because of who you are, but you understand all the words. You go, yeah, my faith is in Jesus. He, 
Amen. And, and the guy goes, yeah, but I know your past. And you go, amen, I know it too. That's why I'm saved. Why, why, why are we... Well, you, when people call us out, we go, amen. <laughs> amen. Listen, if I was perfect, I wouldn't need a Savior. And he looked at me and he said, I know you. I'm still going to go to the cross. I know you. And that's when we put our faith. So, so think about it. Here's what he's saying. He goes, I want you guys to believe. And so you need to have faith in Jesus. You need to be persuaded that your reliance, you're leaning on Christ for salvation. You say, I want you to take a moment. I know this is kind of weird. You want to take a moment and I want you to go outside your body. I know this is weird. But look at yourself in the casket. You're like, this is really weird. I'm out of here. No, no, no. Stay with me. You're, you're outside your body. You're looking at yourself. Or let me back up just a little bit. You're a few seconds away from dying. Tell me, tell me what you're going to rely on for salvation. Tell me what you're going to... Well, you know what? I gave a lot of money. Really? You're hope. Well, let's see. My grandpappy was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I think I'm in. You're going to rely on that? Well, I was very religious, and I walked around like this every day. You're going to rely on that? Listen, when you're there, you're going, In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. And when I come to die, Give me Jesus, right? Isn't that, isn't that what? That's it. That's all I got. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, man, that's my, my reliance. That's it. That's it. Do you remember Jesus? Do you remember our Jesus speaking to Nicodemus? He says, you must be born again. And that is so different than modifying our behavior. And what you need to understand is you and I can look like, act like, put on the facade of a Christian and not be saved. I think of, I think of, I mean, I want you for a moment to put yourself in the disciple sandals. You've walked with Judas for three years. You think he's, you know, he's in charge of the money. He's intelligent. He's smart. You know, he's, you know, he's passing out bills and taking care of business. And then you realize that the, the guy was never saved. He looked like you. He acted like you. He said, hallelujah. He sang kumbaya at the fire. He, you see, because listen, you and I, we can't judge who's saved or not. God will do that. But our job is to go, hey, make sure you understand what it means to be born again. Here's what I would hate. I would hate that the trumpet come and people stand around going, oh, I left behind. Oh, wow. One or two things are going to happen. I want you to think about it for a second. One or two things are going to happen. You're either going to repent and fall on your face and go, I have blown it. I've messed up. And you're going to be on a trajectory to serve the Lord up until death. Or you're going to get angry because you thought you were saved and you weren't. You're going to be upset and you're going to shake your fist at God and say, what kind of God? I don't understand. And you'll be on a trajectory to, to fight God the rest of your life. He gives us His grace and His mercy. 
And he says, don't modify behavior. Just make sure you're born again. Make sure you're born from above. Okay? That's what it means. Born again means to be born from above. It's an internal change that eventually, listen, ooh, this is good, eventually affects our external. You see, what changes on the inside, this is what changes our behavior. And it's a progress, guys. It's progressive sanctification as you grow. You slowly become more and more like Jesus. And that's really the key. That's really the key. Now again, back in our mindset, Paul assumes you are fully devoted followers of Christ. He already assumes that. He proceeds to speak the wealth of each one of him, that, uh, each one of us in him. He keeps saying, in him. So, Everybody is convinced after the first three chapters, this is my wealth. And then chapters four to six, we're called to walk the walk. To walk the walk. He's given us 41 imperatives. What's an imperative? It's a command. 41 commands that we are to be different than the world. We are to act different. We are to love different. We are to think different. This is what he's saying. He's saying we are to be different than the world. And that's where the rub comes in. When your friends do not see a difference in you, when, you're, when you're, you're, your co-workers don't see a difference in you, when you sort of blend into the world, when you're sort of a, uh, we'll call it, a, a, what is it, a chameleon Christian, you sort of blend to whatever, we're called to be different. We're called to stand out. We're called to swim upstream and everybody's swimming downstream. Not in a pretentious and a arrogant way, but in a way that glorifies God. Hey, listen, I am so sorry. I can't go with you guys. That's my Jesus. I'm going this way. Yeah, but you don't understand. Look at you. He's like, no, 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 no. See, I'm called to be different than the world. I'm called to act different. I'm called to love different. And I'm called to think different. And of course, then he says, oh, by the way, here's the warfare. He says, you're called to stand. To stand. And we learned as believers that we're involved in warfare. Let's pick it up in verse 10, just so you get a run and go. Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done, to all, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador of change, that, it may, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Think about what he's saying. This is... Now, a couple of, couple of things just real quickly on that. Number one, in the Greek um, rendering, he says, don't take off the armor. Don't take it off. He says, it's not like, well, I don't, I don't need the breastplate today. I think I'm good. He says, you put it on, guys. You put it on spiritually and you keep it on all the time. 
Okay? It's not going to bother your sleep, trust me. Even though you have a big helmet of salvation, you're not going to be doing this. You're going to be able to sleep just fine, but you got to keep it on. The second thing you need to understand, it talks about the wiles of the devil. That's the deceitfulness. Church, whatever you do, guard your heart from being deceived. Guard your heart from what comes in your eye gate. Guard your heart from what comes in your ear gate. Guard your heart even with people you trust. Just guard your heart. Because sometimes you trust them and sometimes they have their well-meaning, but then there's some deception in there. So, so whoa, 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 Pastor, stop, stop. You're telling me that I can't trust... No, no, I'm not saying you can't trust your friends. What I'm saying is just guard your heart. Because again, the, the devil's coming at you. He knows, he knows where, where you like to stumble. He knows where you're at. And so we've got to put on the full armor. The third thing we need to realize is that he's called us to stand. To stand. He doesn't call us to turn and run. How many times of us have we wanted to turn and run? I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm, I quit. I'm not going to serve God anymore if this is what going to be. He just says stand. Just stand. Why? He doesn't give us any protection on the backside because he knows all you have to do is stand because it's his strength that's going to get you through the day. It's His Holy Spirit that's going to protect you. Not us. Well, what do I have to do? You have to put on the armor of God. And don't take it off. We should be walking down the store like this because we have the armor of God. What's going on? i got the armor of God, bro. you got the armor, right? And you got the sword of the Spirit. And we're praying. And we learned about that weapon last time. And so he says, this is where I'm, I'm going. And, and, and so he finishes up with, pray for me. Pray for me. But you got to grasp that, okay? So we kind of come to the final few chapters of this amazing book. Now, think about this. Guys, put on your thinking caps. Up until verse 21, till the end of this letter, it has not been a personal letter. He's sort of, he sort of painted the picture so this letter could be distributed probably throughout Asia. It ended up in, 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 um, in Ephesus, but it hasn't been real personal. And, and again, think about this. He probably thought, well, much like the, like the book of Galatians, you realize that the, the book of Galatians was sent to an area so that people could get it. And he thought, okay, I'm not going to make it real personal until I get to the end. But now he comes to the final four verses, and what we discover with Paul, it's a little bit more personal touch. How? Because it's evident that Paul cares for these Christians. I want you to take a moment. Take a moment and think about Paul's circumstances. Why this might be a little bit more personal for his readers. You see, right now as Paul writes this, he is in prison in Rome. And he's chained to a guard. Like, like Paul never stole a pack of gum. You understand that, right? Paul never went into the 7-Eleven and, and, and like I did when I was a kid. And, and they put the candy, they were just asking for me to take the candy. You know, the counter is this high and you're looking at it and you're like, man. And so what I did is I got real as close as I could. The counter's right here. And they were out. They just told me, Craig, they told me to take it. And then when I got outside, my dad asked me, where did I get the candy? I was like, I was in trouble. And I was stealing. You don't steal. So Paul never did what I did. And now he's chained to a guard. 
I mean, what did he do? What did he do? But see, it was God's plan the whole time. The whole time. Do you realize that not only has Paul changed to regard, but he's, he's probably getting up in years and his health is probably not that great. I want you to think about this. Think about this. We are going to see this, but from the book of Philippians, the next book we're studying, it was written in the same imprisonment. We learned that fellow Christians in Rome, fellow Christians in Rome, fellow Christians in Rome were attacking Paul. That makes me sad. You see, it's one thing for us to walk out that door and, and we have to face an evil world that, that already hates us. It hates us because of our name. We're Christians, Christ-like. But not in the brethren. Not in the body. Can you imagine? You go, yeah, Ben, we see it all the time. Well, I can't believe. And, and, and that pastor over there. And, 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 and we start to bicker and we start to fight against one another. And so Paul, not only is he in prison, not only is he, ch- not only is he getting older, but now he's realizing, man, I got... The brothers are coming against me? Well, I don't understand why Paul should, should be called by God. What The picture we get from Paul is that he was short, bald, had a crooked nose. This is the picture we get. Can you imagine? Well, he's not. he doesn't fit the mold. Paul should be head and shoulders above everybody else. Do you guys remember? you guys remember Aaron and Miriam? They were complaining against Moses. Well, I don't know why Mo gets that. I don't know why Moses. Why is Moses called by God? Listen, just so I can put your mind at ease. Why is, why is Ben the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Lubbock? Because I was the first one to get here. That's it. Because God called. He called a silly, silly man to go to Lubbock, Texas, where he knew nobody and said, would you stick it out? And I go, okay. He didn't show me 20 years when I first got here. What do you think would have happened if he would have showed me the 20 years? Uh, Okay, Ben, this is what's going to go down the first 20 years. See ya. I mean, mean, Joe's good at golf, but I could... And I, I, I just I don't need to play with Joe. I don't I don't need to have a friendship with Joe. You you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? And, and so so Paul's just he now now you go Ben. What, what's what's the point? Here's the point. When Paul prays, he doesn't pray for those things. He doesn't pray. You need you y'all need to pray that I get out of these chains. Y'all need to pray for my health. I'm not feeling too good. Y'all need to pray that those Christians in Rome would stop tripping. You know, they're bugging out. I, you know, he doesn't pray for that. Why? Because Paul is such on a different level because he loves God and he loves people. Come on, somebody. And his life is radically different. Well, I went to church today and I found out that pastor said we shouldn't pray for ourselves. No, no, no. You can ask for prayer. You can pray for these things. Lord, pray for me. But Paul says, as I close this letter... I really want, I just, hmm. 
I'm not going to pray for, I'm not going to appeal for my own needs. Uh, as a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to encourage the believers. I'm going to encourage the believers. Paul already knew people were praying for him. Paul already knew God. And the only prayer that Paul asks for, do you guys remember? We talked about it last week. He said, pray for me. Ephesians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says this, and pray for me too. What should we pray, Paul? Ask that God would give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in these chains now, still preaching the message as God is God's ambassador, so that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Church, wow! I want to be like Paul. Except I don't want to go to prison, okay? Just let's make that clear. God, <laughs> all right. No, 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 no. But think about this. If we were to compare our lives with how much we complain versus Paul encouraging, I'm like, oh, Lord, I fall so short. I just, my mantra is, oh, woe is me. And Paul's like, look, 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 here's the deal. He says, just pray that I can continue to speak the gospel. Pray that I can continue to speak the gospel as, 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 as these, these Roman soldiers are coming and I'm in chains. Pray, pray, <laughs> pray. Can you imagine? I wonder half of them are like, yes, I get to be with Paul the next six hours. I'm so excited. And the other half are like, please, please split. Take my shift, bro. Take, listen, I'll give you some, here's some coins. Take, I, don't want to hear, I don't want to hear this with Paul. I don't want to hear this with Paul. Come on, church, isn't that the same with us? You have people that you fellowship with that they're so excited to speak about Jesus, and then you have others in your life that are like, please don't talk, me, talk to me about that. So what does Paul do? When it comes to, to saying farewell, Paul's focus and concern is on these Christians and their needs. If you were to go back to chapter 3, verse 13, we would discover Paul's concern about them and their concern about him. And print, look, at, look at Ephesians 3.13. It says, so please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you. So you should feel honored. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? He says, guys, don't lose heart. He says, I, I'm in chains here, but it's okay. It's okay. So let me ask you a real question. Let me ask you a real question. If we're sitting here in church and we're having a great time and all of a sudden we hear a huge commotion outside and the, the doors swing open and you have these military guys, whoever they are, and they come in and they drag every one of us off to prison. Tonight, all of us are in jail. At midnight, would we be singing praises to the Lord? Or would we be trying to get a hold of our lawyer? Would we try, well, I don't understand what's going on. And again, I just want you, I'm trying to put that in perspective so you kind of go, Wow. And listen, I'm right there with you. I'm preaching to me. You all can listen if you want to, but I tend to complain a lot. And I really go, no, you know what I need to do? I need to pray that God would continue to give me the boldness to preach the gospel. Give me the boldness to say what I need to say. Give me the boldness to keep my mouth shut when I need to keep it shut. Give me that boldness, Lord. So what does Paul do? Paul goes, listen, I love you guys so much. I'm going to send uh, Tychius, right, to tell them about the situation, and I want them to comfort your hearts. 
So that's what we're going to look at this morning, guys. Paul concludes with a benediction, with really a prayer reflecting, again, his love and care for the brothers and the sisters. Now, if you're taking note, these verses teach us two important things. Number one, it teaches us that Tychius shows us how to be caring, godly brothers, sisters in Christ. This is, that's the first thing he's going to show us. The second thing is Paul shows us how to be encouraging, caring, godly brother, sisters in Christ. Why is it appropriate for Paul to write these last verses? Because he already knows that you've already accepted chapters 1 through 3 and 4 to 6. You're already walking in the Spirit. And so he's going, this, is what, this, this should be a natural byproduct that we care for each other, that we love one another. So, Tychius is going to show us how to be caring and godly brothers and sisters. And Paul's going to show us how to be encouraging. Okay? So let's tackle these final four verses. Ephesians 21, guys, picking it up there. He writes, But that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychius, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I've sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Well, who is this guy? Who is Tychius? If we go back to the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 4, we discover that there were many men who helped Paul in ministry. Reading from the New Living Translation, you can read it up on the screen, Acts 24 and 5, says several men were traveling with him. This would be Paul. They were Sopater, son of Pharos from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychus and Trophimus from all the province of Asia. Asia. And they went ahead and they waited for us at Troas. Now, the first thing we grasp out of Acts chapter 20, verse 4 and 5, is those of you having trouble naming your kids, there's plenty of names right here, okay? I don't understand why you go, I, I don't know what to name him. So Peter, that's a great name. Okay, so, so again, how about Secundus? Come here, Secundus! That sounds like a dog, right? I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but, but there's, a, there's a bunch of names here, so I never want to, you know. I don't think I've ever met a Sopater in my life. Could be a Sopater. But he has these men. He has these men who helped take a collection at Jerusalem. He went to the trouble... Um, this would be Tychus. He, he helped take the collection. He went to the trouble of going to the Rome with Paul in his first imprisonment. And now Paul is sending him back to Asia with the letters to Ephesus, to Colossians, and Philemon. Think about this. Tychus, here's what he did. He escorted a runaway slave, Onesimus. Onesimus, who's now become a Christian, back to his owner. Philemon, Ty, Tychus was responsible to to intervene before Philemon so that he would welcome Onesimus back as a brother rather than punishing him as the law would have him dictated. Can you imagine? Later, Paul sent either Tychius or Artemis to relieve Titus on the island of Crete. Tychius again with Paul in his second imprisonment. Paul sent him to Ephesus, freeing Timothy to try to get the apostles' aid before he was 
executed. What a godly man. What a godly man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hanging out with someone in prison just so that you could comfort them? Tychus, what are you doing here? Hey man, I'm hanging with Paul. You don't need to be here. I'm gonna I'm just gonna whatever Paul needs. Whatever Paul needs. Paul doesn't need anything, but but can you imagine the Bible teaching that Tychus got? He's just like, wow. Wow. You see, it's one thing to be chained to Paul and have to listen to that. But it's a whole other thing when you willingly come and open your heart to hear what God says for you. So what can we learn from these verses? Guys, what can we learn? You go, well, Ben, you said we're going to learn how to, how to be a beloved brother and sister. Well, exactly. Exactly. Go back to the verse, guys. Look at it. Look at it with me. It says but that you may also know my affairs and how I'm doing. Thank you, Paul. Tychius, a beloved brother. You're like, okay. You guys underline that in your Bible, beloved. And you go, why? Why should we do that? Because Paul refers to him as a beloved brother. He could have just called him a brother. He could have just said, hey, I'm sending a fellow servant. But he adds this word beloved. Why? to show that Tychus was a warmly relational man. He wasn't cold and aloof. He wasn't um, insensitive. Already? He wasn't grumpy or difficult to be around. He's beloved. Can you imagine? If you have a pencil handy, you could write next to beloved, well-loved dearly. Well-loved dearly. Wow, I was like, Paul, you call them, you call them that. And, and, and I thought, well, you know what our goal is at Calvary, guys? Our goal is to strive to be that, to be well, to be loved, to be dearly. One who is loved and cherished simply because of Christ we care for others. This week, my friend Joseph went over to the O'Reilly's and he mowed their lawn. He didn't have to do that. Well, you go, what happened? Well, Mike wasn't looking too good. Now he's looking better, but he can't see. So anyway, that's a whole other story. But Joseph, he served the Lord. And you go, well, Ben, that's what we should do. Exactly. But it does the pastor's heart good when you go, wow. Wow. You see, here's how it went down. He came in my office. He goes, Ben, how can I serve? And I said, you need to go to Michael Riley's and serve and mow their lawn. Oh, okay, but it's hot. No, that's not how it went down. His, his heart. His heart in serving Jesus said, what can I do? What can I do? When Beverly... When Beverly got surgery, many came over and brought meals and, 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 and loved on them and still doing that today. That's the point. The point is, is that this is, you're beloved. You're beloved. That's the goal. You see, the problem is, is, that, is that, that that fights against our flesh because our flesh goes, no, 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 no that's going to inconvenience me for me to do something like that. That's good. No, no, no. 
know, well, somebody else will do it. Everybody know who somebody is? He's around here somewhere, right? Somebody will do it. But nobody's around here too, so nobody does it. You guys know them. They're Siamese twin. Somebody and nobody. But it's so cool when you go, you know what? I have the capacity. I have the time. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And what happens is, as you guys know this, what happens is that you begin to think, I got a blessing. But the other people are like, oh, you blessed us more. You blessed us more. This is... I mean, this is, this is our goal, guys. This is our goal. One who is lovest cherished simply because of Christ. Of Christ. I want you to think about the great lengths Tychius went to show his love to his fellow brothers and sisters. Right? He was a bondservant who, who showed in his life, first of all, he helped with the collection. He comforted Paul in prison. He discipled Onesimus. You go, how do you know that? Well, think about this. He had him next to him taking him back to Philemon. You know they're not going to be talking about the ball game. Tychus is like, hey, listen, you're going to go back. I know you're saved. Here's some things you need to learn. And you need to go, hey, thank you, bro. And, and then he turned them over. Turned them over. Here's the application. You ready? Do you consider, do people consider you a beloved brother or sister? Do you go out of your way to meet new people and make them feel welcomed? Do you take a genuine interest in others? You see, that's the goal. A genuine interest. Our goal, listen Calvary, this is you. Our goal is to make this church the best fed, most loved church in all of Lubbock. And when people come in, and people come in this place, we need to do our best to love on them, to accept them, to walk with them. This exactly, go out of our way. You've done an amazing job. You've done an amazing job. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. You see, Tychius was that kind of man. And that's why Paul called him, this is my beloved brother. And everyone went, yeah, that's Tychius. You see, Paul, Tychius didn't write part of the New Testament. He didn't have, he didn't have these books but he was just as important as Paul in the body of Christ. So whatever you do, wherever you go, you're just as important. Don't ever let the enemy go, well, you're not behind the pulpit, so you're, you're, you're lower class in the body of Christ. Oh, you're not playing the guitar, so you're, oh, you're not doing it. No, 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 no. Everybody is important in God's economy. Everybody. The second thing you need to write down, guys, is we need to learn how to be faithful. We need to know how to be a faithful brother and sister. You go, why? Well, think about this. Tychus was called a faithful minister of the Lord. Not only is he beloved, but he's faithful. You go, what does faithful mean? It means trustworthy. He was a man who kept his word. Paul could entrust him with weighty responsibility for the churches of Crete or in Ephesus and know that he would be responsible. Faithfulness, if you remember, is a fruit of the Spirit that should mark every believer. We should be faithful. We should be faithful. Here's the key. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's it. 
If you can do it, eh, I can do it. Amen. And do it. And show up early and be responsible and do a good job. If you can't do it, say, I am so sorry. I wish I could, but no, I'm not going to be able to. And let it, don't, don't be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, no, I'll be there, bro. I'll be there. And then you don't show up. And then you get this reputation. Well, he's not going to show up anyway. Don't do that. Be faithful. Be trustworthy. Do a good job. Do a good job. Pass unto the Lord. You see, I ran into that problem. Adam Wilkins cost me a lot of money. You go, he did? Yeah, he did. Adam uh, has been working at the church and doing a few odd things. And Adam does a great job. But in order to do a great job, it costs more money than to kind of patch it together. You understand that, right? And so Adam would come to me and say, it's going to cost us. I'm like, what? I could do it for five. No, I couldn't. I'm just. But the reputation is that if, if you have Adam do something, he's going to do a good job. It might cost you a little more, but it's going to be a good job. Is that a good plug for you, bro? Okay. No. okay. He paid me $5 to say that. In order to apply this verse, church, we must strive to be trustworthy people, be a trustworthy man, a trustworthy woman, a man or woman of integrity. You go, what's that? One who keeps his word. Number three, we must learn to be serving. It says he's a faithful minister of the Lord. The word minister is a servant. Tychius was a faithful servant of the Lord. Guys, fully devoted followers of of Jesus are servants at heart. At servants at heart. Always asking, what could I do? What could I do? What do you need? What needs to be done? And there are things that always need to get done. The problem with servants is that everybody wants to be a servant until you're treated like one. You understand that? Everybody wants, I'm a servant of the Lord. Okay, will you clean the bathrooms? Uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't clean no bathrooms. Yuck. Oh, how about this? You want to be a servant of the Lord? Come clean, come clean all the nursery toys. Make sure they're disinfected. Oh, well, don't you have something better for me to do? Like, could, could, we, like, could we do? No, we're servants. And, and, and really, if we understand this and what God has done for us, if we understand this, guess what? Our, our answer should always be, yes, I can do that. What do you need, Pastor? What do you need? I'll do it. Well, why would you do that? I understand the relationship. God has done so much for me. I'm a servant. That's my heart. That's what they call Tychus. He says, that's what we need to learn. We need to learn to be servants. But we go back to let your yes be yes and your no be no. There are things that you can do. Say you're going to do, do them. And then there are things that you go, no, I'm, I can't do that, but I'll, I'll do something else. I can't, you know, because like some of you have a really good gift for children and you should be teaching the children. And some of you go, that's not my gift. I can't do children. And I understand that. But there's other things that you can do. Guys, at church, there's always things that need to get done. You know your gifts. You know how much you love Jesus. Number four, he says, we need to learn to be a great encourager. He says, that... He may comfort your hearts. Tychius goes so he can comfort your hearts. The word comfort there is made up of two Greek words. It's parakaleo. 
And it means to come alongside and call. Come alongside and call. To call near and invite. To comfort, to exhort, to encourage. That's what he means. And Paul knew that the Ephesians were prone to lose heart over his trials. He's going, guys, you, you guys have been walking around sad because you, you know I'm in prison. He goes, no, I'm going to send Tychius to you so that you guys, you guys can be happy. You'll know that things are good. You know things are good. And so, so we're called, guys. We're called. Could you imagine for a second if, if Tychius was, was just a gloomy person, right? Hope. Hey, Tyke, can you go? Can you go tell the Ephesian church how I'm doing? What if he is an Eeyore? You know, okay, I'll go tell them. Hey, guys, Paul's in prison. He's gonna die there. Right? The Ephesians would be like, "Wow, I know, I know. He got a blister on his foot. It won't go away." Well, how are you doing? I'm horrible. I had to walk all the way. From... None of you could send me an Uber. I mean, I mean, no, 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 no. Seriously. Seriously. What if he was a negative sort of guy? Right? Negative. Could you imagine? Everything. You know what? Paul said that the sky is amazingly blue and he loves Jesus. Well, it's not as blue as you think. You, got, you understand, right? Man, if you get nothing out of this message, let's strive not to be negative. It brings everybody down. I'm guilty of that at times. I can find, man, sometimes I'm gifted at finding all the negative and the good. Well, well, you, no, 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 no. Think about this, man. But he wasn't. Tychius, guys, he would convey to the church Paul's spirit and trust in the Lord, even in the most of his difficulties. This cheerful report would be to encourage them. I want you to think about this. The other day, a man walked out to the gym, and I was sitting there with a buddy of mine, and, and he says, solving all the problems in the world? You know, that's what he always says. Solving all the problems in the world? And I said... Not problems, just challenges, sir. Opportunities. And he looked at me like, wow, I don't know where that came from, but isn't that the truth? Do we have problems or do we have opportunities? We have opportunities to glorify God. They may look like problems to other people, but you just look at them and take, take them, repackage them, and go, hey, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Think about that. How do, we take, how do we take an awful, ugly world and, and bring a cheerful report so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters? How do we do that? We have to be walking in the Spirit. Guys, you have to know, you have to know that nobody's perfect and that when a brother or sister falls and stumbles real bad and he's counting on you to pick him up, you don't condone a sin and you don't, you don't applaud his sin, but you pick him up and you say, it's okay. It's okay. I've been there myself. God has a plan for you. God loves you. You see, the Christian, the Christian life is so different than, 
than, than just the, the, the normal fleshly life. When somebody falls, you go, well, that's how your fault, dummy. If you'd have done what I did, you, that's how we act. We act selfish, self-righteous. But the, but the believer says, oh, dude, I know, I know. How can I help? What do you need? I just need prayer. Well, man, I'm always praying for you, but I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know. What? God loves you. God loves you. So Tychius is, is showing us how to be. But Paul does the same thing. Let's look at verse 23 and 24. Paul writes, Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be all to those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, I don't want to pass over this too quickly, but I want you to notice four things that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Not only is he encouraging them, but he prays for peace. He prays for peace. He says, he says, man, listen, peace to you guys. Peace. Let me tell you, the one thing that we got to grasp in our walks with God and one of the most beautiful benefits of walking with God is peace in our hearts. Circumstances are going to come. Problems or opportunities are going to come. But Jesus gives us peace. The Bible says he is our peace. And I can't tell you how many times I go, God, I don't understand. How many of you have said that? I don't understand, but he still gives you peace. Now, listen to me. There are times that I've made the choice, and I understand the choice. I've made it. But there are times I didn't make the choice, and I feel this, and I have to go, Lord, I don't understand this, but he gives me peace. Unbelievable peace. You know, when the Bible talks about prosperity and prospering, I think peace is one of them, isn't it? Automatically, we all go to money. But he's not talking about money. He's talking about, about having peace. You know, peace. I'm at peace. The second thing that Paul's prays for is love. Do you guys see that? Why? Because love and peace go hand in hand. God's love for us is an example of our love for one another. Our homes should radiate that self-sacrificing love of Christ between husbands and wives, between parents and children. In the church, we must work at building and maintaining loving relationships between one another. Listen to me. It starts at home, though. Husbands and wives need to start with that first. Love and peace. Love and peace. And then it goes to your children. And then it comes to the church. The third thing Paul prays for is faith. Faith. Right? He says faith. Notice that Paul prays for faith. He says, I want to pray for love with faith. You guys see that? Look at your Bible. It says with faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. Here's what he says. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. In love. How do you love People. How do you love people? It's through faith. It's through faith. Because you go, I'm not going to love Larry because I love Larry. You love Larry. I'm not going to Larry. I'm going to love Larry because I love Christ. You see, my vertical is right on, and so my horizontal is going to be good. You see, that's 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 how it should be flowing in our lives. 
Okay, the closer I walk to the Lord, the closer I walk to his people. The farther I walk away from the Lord, the farther I walk from his people. And again, it's, notice what he says. Galatians says, what's important is faith expressed itself in love. In love. The source of peace, love, and faith, guess what? God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the Word of God. Last but not least, Paul prays for grace to be with all those who love Jesus. Grace. And this, my friends, he comes and he says, Grace be with all those who love Jesus Christ in sincerity. In sincerity. Grace. This, again, guys, is a good place to close this book. You go, how so? He's praying, and I'm praying for grace for each one of our lives. So, here's how we're going to close. We're going to close coming back full circle. Full circle? Yeah, you don't have to turn there, but look, Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 8, going back to the beginning. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made me abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 says, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So what does Paul do? Paul closes this amazing epistle with several personal items knowing that his friends would want to know his condition. Certainly, they could pray for him more intelligently if they knew his needs. But Paul wants to give him comfort too. Paul, man, what a true saint, drawing upon God's supply for his every need. His every need. That's our goal. To comfort and love the brethren. You see, God has an amazing way of doing church. He brings you, y'all here together. We sit, we fellowship, we get the word of God, and then he says, okay, one, two, three, break. And then he sends us out to the world. And he sends us out with his spirit so that we could win others to Christ. So that we can love on people who need loving. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our goal is to love people back to life, guys. There's a lot of Christians out there that are broken and hurting, and the world has hit them and hit them and hit them, and they get up for a moment and they hit them again, and it's our job to come and go, no, 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 stop. Come on. And they can get back to the place where they're serving Jesus again. That devil is a brute, and he's deceitful, and he's awful, and he's ugly, and one day, one day, this little angel is going to say, enough of you, and he's going to throw him into the bottomless pit. But until then, we need to be about our Father's business, loving people back to life, not fighting each other, not gossiping about each other, not doing any of those things, but coming along each other and saying, man, listen, that's how I remember being there. I remember being there. 
Come on, brother. Come on. You okay? You all right? Yeah. Yeah. Encouraging. You see this thing in our mouth that's called a tongue? It has the power of life and death, doesn't it? Man. And the sad part about this is that once it comes out of your mouth, you cannot rewind it. I didn't mean to say that. Far better to go. Listen, I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. If the ushers will come forward, we're going to partake in communion. We're going to pray and ask God. And the worship team is going to come up. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for these ushers as they partake and pass out the elements. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grab one and pass those out. Guys, while they're passing out, would you just please hold them? Would you hold them in your hands, guys, because we're going to take them as a family? What I want you to know is as you're going through, this is a very serious celebration. It's a very serious celebration. You go, what do you mean? Well, first and foremost, the Bible tells us not to partake in an unworthy manner. If you are a believer here and you've got some bitterness, you've got some junk in your life, you can just say, no, 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 I'm going to pass today until you get that right. If you are a believer here today and you happen to get in a fight with your wife all the way to church, and then you walked in and said, God bless you. And now we're taking communion. Turn to your wife right now and say, baby, please forgive me. Don't take it in an unworthy manner. But more importantly, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a believer, then don't take it because it's not for you. You go, but I want to be, I want to be a believer then in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Him. At Calvary Chapel, we have what we call open communion, which means anyone who's a believer can take it. But if you're here today and you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus, you can do that right now. What do I need to do, Pastor? All you have to do is open up your heart and say yes to Him. All you have to do is just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to God. I want to be set free. In just a second before we take that, I want to make sure that everyone here is a believer. I want you to know, too, that as we take the elements, guys, it's also a celebration. Guys, when we partake in communion... We're declaring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what saves us. So we celebrate the gospel. So what I want you to do is you're holding the elements in your hand and they'll come up here in just a moment. I want you to look deep within. Just look, look within your heart. Lord, where am I with you? Father, this week I may have misrepresented you. Father, this week I doubted you. Father, this week I had an attitude. Father, this week. And and simply, as you hold the element, say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, this week I had an opportunity to share the gospel, and I was so busy, I I, I, I just passed it.
It's really simple because it's a celebration. You say, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. And he says, Amen. The second thing I want you to do, guys, while holding the elements, is to look back. Look back. Yeah, look back at your life and thank God for all the things he's done for you. Your life may not be exactly where you want it today, but he has been faithful for all of your life. And so you look back and you go, God, thank you. Man, when I didn't see you working, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And then as you have the elements in your hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look forward. Forward? Yeah. You see, here's what, here's what they used to do in Jerusalem. When they were far from Jerusalem, they would, take, they would take this and they would say, next year in Jerusalem. They would look forward to going to Jerusalem. But our Jerusalem isn't really in, in, in Israel. It's in heaven. And Jesus told us that the next time he partakes in this with us, it's going to be in heaven. So the fact that we're taking it here today, we're not in heaven yet. So here's what we do. We're going to lift it up and say, Lord, next year, next time, oh, I want to do this with you in heaven. Come for us, Lord. Come for us. We want to look forward. Can I just tell you this? If you'll put it in your heart that the best is yet to come, the best is yet to come for our church, for our city, if you'll put that in your heart, man, you'll go, listen, my goal I want to see every blue chair filled with family. I want to see every blue chair. I want to see God do an incredible work. I want to see, I want to see my family. Lord, I'm going to take this. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my brother saved. I want to see my sisters. I want to see my friends saved, God. I want to see them have the peace that I have. I can't wait. The best is yet to come. As the ushers bring this forth, we're going to take together. So hold on to them. Be praying silently. Listen, if you're here today and you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not a believer, and you actually feel miles away from him, listen, I feel you. But I want you to know that you're one decision away from coming back to him. And all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Even if you've picked the elements, you're like, man, I just, they passed these to me, I got them, I don't know what to do. If you're serious about God, will you just lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just, just making sure. God bless you. Sorry, see you. Anyone else? Just really, you just want to make sure. It's not that you've sinned. We all sin. God bless you, Rita. God bless you. This is just you going, okay, Lord, today I just want to be right with you. I'm right with you. I, I surrender my life to you. I'm all yours, God. Do with what you will. I surrender to you. I don't want to take my life back. I give it to you 100%. I believe that you died for me. I believe you're going to res- I believe you're coming back soon. And so I just give you my life, Lord. It's yours. It's yours. By faith, I believe in you. By faith, I trust in you. I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn from the world and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's take the bread together. You know, when supper was ended, he took the cup and he passed it to his disciples and said, take this. 
This is the new covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant. It says, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the cup together, and then Larry's going to lead us in worship. Would you just do me a favor? Before you get up and start moving around, would you worship the Lord? Let's take it together. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.